like to welcome you to another episode of Money Matters Top Tips for Success, where each and every day I bring on new business owners, entrepreneurs, and executives and have them share their top tips for success with you. My name is Adam Torres. You can follow me on Instagram at Ask Adam Torres to keep up with my book releases, book tour schedule, signings, all that other good stuff. Always love to connect with you there. And as always, if you'd like to apply to become a co-author of one of my upcoming books, just head on over to the website, moneymatterstoptips.com, and click on Become an Author to Apply. All right, so today I have Christian Kemmeyer on the line, and he's managing partner over at Sustany Capital. Christian, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Adam. So I'm excited to get into what you're doing over at Sustany Capital and how you're helping your clients, but before we do that, let's get a little bit further into your background. So how did you get started in your career in business? Well, I was a programmer in the mid-80s. I was an intern at Siemens Nixdorf, so I'm very excited about technologies in general, but it was very early in programming in those days, so I decided to go to law school instead and get a law degree. When I uh, finished that, I ended up becoming general counsel for a little startup that became the largest private service provider, internet service provider in Germany, and we were very lucky to, to merge that company with what's now the largest ISP in Europe. And I consequently retired from the law, and that was about 20 years ago, and then also left Europe to start VC here in Southern California. Orange focus was very much on things such as voice of IP, multi-max online player games. And so that kind of inadvertently led to our fund today that's very much focused on decentralized finance solution, decentralized money, or the transfer system solution. That's awesome. Um, I do want to go further into uh, what you're doing today, so let's uh, let's switch it up. I want to go further into Sustany Capital, so let's start there. Um, tell us a little bit more about the company, please. Yeah, so after um, we spent a lot of time in voice of IP and, and gaming, the topic of blockchain emerged, and unfortunately there's a lot of misconceptions around that, but essentially it's all around uh, building peer-to-peer -peer solutions that approach um, the middleman and then uh, also middleware in essence. And so we were very early allocating to that space. My partner founded the Ethereum meetups here in Orange County. For listeners who, who don't know that system, it's kind of the most prominent smart contract platform out there. And as such, we've been allocated to the space for over five years now and mm. now finally um, have enough investment experience in that space that's still very, very new and mostly misunderstood that we feel comfortable opening it up to other investors too, which means for the past five years, we've been just using our own money. Let's uh, let's get into your concept of uh, money as a legacy technology. Um, so can you explain to us a little bit more about what you mean about that? Yeah. So first of all, it's very important to understand that every time you look at a disruptive uh, technology, if you will, you want to ask yourself some basic questions, basically going back to first principles. So what is money solving for? Or actually, more importantly, what is currency solving for? Those things are actually not the same. So the original um, problem that currencies are solving is the, the barter problem, if you will, or a little more technically, it's, it's called the coincidence or double coincidence of one's problem. So you have something that I want, but um, uh, uh, I don't have anything that you want, and so we need to settle on a different medium of exchange. And so mm -hmm. in, in history, those 
were mostly like precious metals and then eventually those were minted into coins so it was a little easier to establish how much you wanted from that. So fast forward to today, um, those functions that we kind of all accepted um, going to business schools and general life that money takes on is that of unit of account, medium of exchange, and store value. However, uh, over the past decades, those functions have clearly separated. Like, we, we don't really store value in, in fiat, right? You don't mm -hmm. keep a million dollars in your checking account, right? We're, we just basically uh, accepted that it's simply a unit of account, if you will, it's just a symbol. Because most of the transactions, about 94% uh, of all transactions, are just a manipulation of bytes, right? So mm -hmm. the default medium of exchange have become bytes. For decades at this point in time. In practical terms, we all recognize that and act accordingly. However, the technology that's available thus far has still been subsided with like the legacy players in that field that obviously have no interest in remedying this. So to give you the, the largest example outside of fiat itself would be payments. Payments is a $2.2 trillion dollar industry a year. That's wow. the revenue that's being made from that every year. However, if you look at the actual technology, what, what is your bank account? Your bank account is a ledger, right? So mm -hmm. you have a ledger with one bank, and if you bank at one bank and you send in your money, then your bank adjusts your ledger overnight. It reconciles with the Federal Reserve System. And then the next day, 24 hours later maybe, um, my bank adjusts my ledger. So in essence, it's a federated distributed ledger system. Mm -hmm. So the, the interesting part about blockchains, it's a unified ledger. So what that means is it allows you instant settlement. So that period of 24 hours where your money disappears in Ether doesn't exist in a blockchain environment. It might be up to 10 minutes or whatever the right number is, but it's settled sure. in that particular mm -hmm. amount of time. So long story short, money is actually a simpler technology than things like email, or voice. And if you remember back in the days when you were sending a letter, you put a stamp, out of, uh, uh, stamp on it and you take it to the post office. And oh, yeah. If you would, and if you were doing this today uh, with your email, within a day it would exceed the gross domestic product of the United States if you did this. Uh, wow. same, is same is true. Do you remember those days when you were talking really fast for a long distance call, right? Because it would oh yeah, you, <laughs> I do on. remember so, that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, those days are gone, right? Because and there's one particular reason behind it, and it's a protocol. It's called the voice of IP protocol, or more technically SIP. And that's the reason that you don't have to pay by minutes anymore. And the SMTP protocol is the reason why you don't put a stamp on your email. Well, again. Money is a much simpler technology. There is no reason for these $2.2 trillion to be there for banks to make, or commercial banks in that case, to make profit come. So since the, specifically uh, the invention of Bitcoin, and unfortunately it's still widely misunderstood, uh, the light bulb went off that this system could be replaced by a unified ledger. Bitcoin is a unified ledger network, and that's really the most important part about Bitcoin. It's a worldwide network that's stronger than the World Wide Web itself, stronger than the Internet itself, that lends itself for value transfer. So this particular network, but then also a dozen others that um, emerged since then, allow you from a technology perspective to do value transfer 
more or less instantly and more or less for free. And that's um, the technology that a lot of solutions are being built on right now. And again, we're talking literally all the money in the world that's being addressed. So as an investor, this is the most exciting time ever because this is a much greater opportunity than the early days of the World Wide Web. It's at least a one order, if not two orders of magnitude larger. Are there any kind of uh, are there any trends that you care to comment on? Because you're sourcing deals, you're I mean you're in the thick of deciding how to deploy capital into into blockchain based uh, solutions and technologies. So you have a very unique vantage point for our listeners. Any kind of trend um, or trends that you care to comment on in general in the technology? Sure. So um, maybe looking backwards just for just a second, uh, for some time now there was a big hype around this term fintech, but until now fintech was really just a, a marketing term was kind of used to describe window addressing mm -hmm. solutions towards essentially were old financial systems because if you have a Venmo account, if you have a PayPal account, at the end of the day, it still goes back to your bank account, your money disappears for two or three days if you want to move it out of that system. Mm -hmm. And that's the difference now. Now the, the new concept um, that a lot of people in our space are very bullish on is uh, described as decentralized finance or DeFi for short. And interesting enough, they initially will mostly address what people have invested um, into thus far, which was called fintech. Those are the mechanisms that are being disrupted. So um, just to pick one example from our portfolio company, we have one uh, decentralized um, lending app that does fully collateralized crowdsourced loans. It's just an algorithm. Um, there's maybe 50 people in the company. In the first 14 months, they wrote more $4.2 billion in loans. And wow. So the example, and so the example that is easy to make is there. Once you have the Uber app, how many dispatches do you need? None. Once you have an app like that, how many loan officers do you need? None. Wow. And and so you will see many more applications like this emerging. The, the, the friction points are mostly um, in, in legacy uh, financial relations like the SEC and so forth here. But uh, it's really more a phenomenon that will take hold in other nations that are less financially served than uh, we here in the developed nations. Think of countries where people don't even have identification documents. Like there's mm -hmm. more than 1.1 million people who cannot get a bank account. But even in the United States, there's a lot of underbanked, there's unbanked people here for whatever reason, right? Either they're, they're here not legally or for whatever other reason they don't have access to banking. Well, with new financial apps, all these friction points don't exist because at the end of the day, you're building peer-to-peer -peer transfer solutions. They don't mm -hmm. care who you are, right? And if you think about it, that really resembles more the real-world experience that most transactions are involved in. If you go into a supermarket and you hand over $10 for whatever item you pay, you don't need mm -hmm. to pull out your passport and so forth, right? It doesn't matter. And that's really the default. Unfortunately, a lot of people in the developed nations have been kind of indoctrinated into we need to have a bank account, we need to have a visa card, we need to pay these intermediaries for the privilege of sending around bytes. 
that is really just indoctrination. This technology should have existed for decades at this point in time to reduce that friction. Because at the end of the day, these are not product entities, right? If tomorrow uh, there was no banking, the world would be just fine. Wow, absolutely amazing! And now, that, and and when you put it that way, when you really take it to the basis of um, exchange, exchanging value, um, it, it just makes so much sense. And you're right; that whole indoctrination part of it, I only realized that recently in the last couple of years that that's all that was is that it was a product. I never really thought of a bank account as a um, as a, a negotiable until things like Venmo or whatever the other pay apps came about and I started using those and, that, and that's pretty recent for me. And then I'm like, wait a minute, this is so easy. Hold on, what, why am I doing these other things and how does that work? And obviously, as you mentioned, um, that's still not the next phase and or stage which you, which you talk about, um, but it was the first to opening my eyes to understand that the original thing was just kind of an, an indoctrination of product that I didn't even know there was an alternative for. Yeah, and it's easy to see that wouldn't be as relevant for people in the developed nations. However, in the developing nations, you already have phenomenon where in Sub-Saharan Africa, 56% of their gross domestic product is being transferred basically peer-to-peer -peer using the phone systems there. And you wow. probably have heard of things like M-Pesa and Topos. But um, just like the, uh, like the visual and the metaphor that are invoked for this is if you're a goat herder in sub-Saharan Africa and you live in a hut and you're tending to, to your sheep or whatever farm animals um, you're tending to, then you don't get a rotary phone into your hut, right? You, you get a smartphone. <laughs> so most goat herders now have a smartphone. So at the same point in time, if, if you're a goat herder today and Again, I'm using this just as a metaphor. Of course, of course. You, 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 don't have a, you don't have a passport, you don't have a driver's license, right? But you don't need one to open up any kind of digital wallet and start trading with other people that are not in the near vicinity. So those people will never ever see the need for banking. They will leapfrog that entire system that we invented in the developed nations, just like they leapfrog the road you phone. Man, I love it. It's great stuff. Um, well, Christian, I can talk to you all day. I already know this, but we're about time, out of time for this episode. Um, but I'm, I'm definitely going to be inviting you back because I want to know more about what you're doing. Um, um, sure. That being said, thank you again for coming on the show. If somebody's listening to this and they do want more information, any projects you're working on or anything else, what's the best way for them to, to uh, follow up? Yeah, well, like most VCs, we don't really put a lot of thoughts on our own website. Uh, but you can go there, sustainable.co. I try to get an article out on Forbes.com every like other month usually, so they, they should have, I don't know, six, ten articles of mine that addresses some of these concepts in, in more detail. So if you just put in my, my last name, K-A-M-E-I-R, uh, and then at plus Forbes, you should find kind of those musings that we put out around these topics that touch on some of the things that we're investing in. Perfect. Well, hey, Christian, really, again, really appreciate you coming on the show and sharing more about your, you and your backstory. And to the audience, as always, thank you for tuning in. Hope you got a lot of value out of this. If you did, don't forget to uh, subscribe to the podcast. Leave me, a, leave me a review on the Apple iTunes store. Uh, do all those great things we do to support our podcasters. I really do appreciate it. And uh, Christian, thanks again for coming on. Thank you.